beautiful song goes right to convey to us today as far as finding their seat. I couldn't help but think our strength and our hope is in Christ alone. And if that be the case, when we come to worship, we truly do just that, worship. And I think there's some, some, some misunderstanding sometimes on what worship is all about. And that led me this week, under God's leading, to preach a series, and we're coming on Easter, which we should really be excited about worshiping on Resurrection Morning. The way worshipers worship. And today I would like for us to look, just for a few moments, at a sermon entitled, The Presence of Worship. Now all of this will, will, will fit into, will come into focus and all the pieces will fit together. So with that, I encourage you to be here to, to hear all of the messages on the way worshipers worship. And if Christ is our source of strength, and if Christ is our hope, we will worship. It's just that simple. Exodus chapter 33, using an Old Testament text this morning, find verse number 12, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But think about this with me, if you will, born-again believer. And I'm addressing you as a born-again believer. As a born-again believer, you and I long for God. And the reason we long for God is because we want to be in His presence. And I want this message under God's leading this morning to show us this very day, that while we, we are always in God's presence, because remember, God is omnipresent, right? Then that is true, because God is everywhere. When we truly worship God, we experience, get this, His revealed presence. In your Sunday school this morning, you heard about God revealing Himself in our video that we talked about. And that's the presence that we long for in worship. George Barner surveyed thousands of church-going Christians. And here's the question that was asked. Have you ever experienced God in a worship service? Only one-third said that they regularly experience God in church. One out of three. William Hendricks' book, Exit Interviews, is about why today's generation is leaving the church. He summarizes the views of many worship dropouts, and he says this, I quote, Perhaps the most common complaint was that worship services were boring. It was not just that these gatherings were not interesting, they were not worshipful. They did little to help people meet God. Find there in your text, please, Exodus chapter 33, and let's pick up in verse 12. This was shortly after Moses had come down from the mountain and found 
the golden calf had been built. Listen to verse 12 and following. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, listen to this now, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Listen to verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15. Then he said to him, if, you, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. In verse 18, and he said, please show me your glory. The word of the Lord. Lord, we bow and we say thank you for your word. And now as we look together for the next few moments, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Challenge our hearts. Cause us to evaluate our own hearts and lives. In light of worship. Lord, there may be someone here t- this morning who just really didn't feel like getting up and coming to church. And Lord, if that be the case, I want to say thank you for getting that person or those persons here today. Lord, bless each of our hearts. Show us the message that you have for us this day. And I pray in your name. Amen. I hope you take some notes this morning. This message has spoken to my heart. And I pray that it does yours as well. Let's begin this way. The most significant benefit of a worship service is connecting with God. Please get that. Is connecting with God. It doesn't matter how good the choir is, how creative the children's lessons are, or even how relevant the message is. But get this. When we do not personally interact with God, church loses much of its appeal. I want you to agree with that because that is so, so true. So with that, I ask this question. When was the last time we experienced the presence of God in a worship service? True, life-changing encounters with the living God, I believe, and maybe you do as well, are missing in many churches today. One of the greatest needs among churches is not new programs, is not a new seminar, is not a new study. 
What is needed in our churches today is an encounter with God. We desperately, church, we desperately need a life-changing glimpse. Get this. A life-changing glimpse into the greatness, the awesomeness, the power, the mercy, the goodness, the loving kindness of God. We try to find that in everything else but God. We've talked about it before, but let's mention it again. Worship, what is it and what does it mean? And I know when we, when we hear or see the word worship, many images may come to our mind. But simply stated, I'll put a definition there on your handout for you. Worship is declaring the worth of God. Declaring the worth of God. And when you think about that definition, we don't worship God for what we get out of it. But get this. But we worship God to give God the honor that is due Him. Recognizing His worth. Recognizing His value. His place in this church at Midway Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And His claim on our lives. Is God most important in your life? If He is, He has a claim on your life. You see, worship, church, is not a weekly pep talk. Worship, church, is not a motivational seminar or or speech to make us feel good about ourselves. Worship occurs, and I've said it before, and I'll say it throughout the message. When we encounter God, the one who loves us, when we encounter God, the the one who desires a relationship with us. I could not imagine my marriage without a close, intimate relationship with my wife. We shouldn't be able to imagine what it would be like without God because we should be so close to Him and so in love with Him. Robert Weber in his book, Worship Old and New, says, Worship is a meeting between God and His people. He goes on to say, Worship does not lead to an encounter with God. Worship is an encounter with God. When we worship God each Lord's Day, can, can I challenge you to, to come with an agenda? And here's the agenda, to meet with God. And as important as that is, we must remember that, you know what? God has an agenda too, and you know what that agenda is? To meet with us. And so many churches slam the church doors as tight as they can to keep any movement of the Holy Spirit out of a congregation. So if worship is about encountering the presence of God, here's a question that may be raised in your mind. Isn't God present always with us? Isn't God's presence always with us? You know what the answer to that is? Yes. Absolutely. There's the reality of God's omnipresence. Meaning that God is always with us. He's everywhere among believers, among non-believers. 
Psalm 139.8 says, If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Remember what Jesus told His disciples? And lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The same message is for us today. God's universal presence is a marvelous fact. We cannot, under any circumstances, escape the presence of God. Now, I believe a lot of times we may be blind to it, but never think that God's presence is not with us. Back to our text, verse 14. Let me read that again. And he said, God said, My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. So there's the reality of God's omnipresence. There's the reality of God's revealed presence. And this is what I want to talk to us about in a minute. I looked up that definition, the revealed presence of God. And one definition says this, an unusual revelation of God's nature in a certain location. In your Old Testament reading, remember when, when, when Moses there, when God revealed himself to Moses in the, bar, in the burning bush? Remember that? Boy, that was, that was God revealing himself, showing himself to Moses. And remember when the tabernacle was, was, was constructed and, and when they would move it from place to place? If it happened to be in the daytime, what followed them? The presence of God in, in, in a pillar of cloud and at night in the, in the pillar of fire. God's presence. I looked at that and, and I can just imagine as God removed the blindfold from Moses and as God removed the blindfold from the eyes of the people of Israel, He's doing the very same thing for you and for me. When we enter these doors, we're to be open and receptive to receive God's revealed presence as we worship Him each and every week. <clears throat> In the 1600s, a humble kitchen worker, a Catholic monk named Brother Lawrence, wrote a book and coined the phrase, Practicing the Presence of God. Brother Lawrence was rather clumsy and had limited skills, so he was re uh, regulated to working in the kitchen, washing dishes, dishes and doing other menial tasks. What was wonderful about the job's assignment to Brother Lawrence is that it took very little thought to accomplish. He could very easily wash dishes or peel potatoes and let his thoughts focus on the things of God. This is exactly what he did. While going about his daily chores, Brother Lawrence would think about God and imagine that he was right there in the kitchen standing beside him. The monastery kitchen became so saturated with the presence of God that people would visit just to watch Brother Lawrence wash dishes. I read that this week, and as I thought about that, that is exactly what we can do to make the presence of God a reality in our life by thinking of on God and, and His words and allowing uh, his thoughts to become our thoughts. Powerful, powerful story. So we ask, what is needed 
in worship. If you and I could ask God for anything, what, what would it be? And remember, what we ask for says a lot about what's inside of us. The scripture we just read earlier, Moses had that opportunity. And let's make sure we understand Moses didn't ask for silver or gold or food or drink or prestige or riches. But what did he ask for? He had a desire for something far more deeper. Something higher. Something beyond himself. Something eternal. Something spiritual, if you will. And he had two requests. And one is in verse 13. And one is in verse 18. And we'll cover verse 13 this morning. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, here it is, show me now your way, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. Church, what was Moses saying there? Well, what was he saying? If, if we could put that into, into uh, 21st terminology, this is what he was saying. Lord, I want, I want to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you. Perceiving you, recognizing you, understanding you more strongly and clearly. And why was he saying that? In order to find favor with God. Moses, you see, had a worshiper's heart. He was saying, Lord, I want to sign up with you for a lifetime. Not just for a chapter in my life. Lord, I want to walk into eternity with the living God. Lord, I want to experience your presence in my everyday life. Gosh, and see, so many times I, 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 I see people that just experience that periodically. What was Moses talking about? He was talking about a relationship with God. You see, Moses hungered for God. Moses longed for God. Moses realized nothing else in this world could compare to the experience of being with God. He had a passion for the presence of God. So church, what do we need to do? Fill in these words right quick. Anticipate God's revealed presence in worship. Expect Him. Long for Him. Do you come into these doors each week expecting God to do something in your life? If you don't, then you're here for the wrong reason. When you come to worship, when I come to worship, I have got to expect God to do something in my life. Look for God's hand at work in worship. It may be in the choir special. It may be in a children's challenge. It may be in one of the prayers that we recite together. It may be in a congregational hymn. Thirdly, listen for God's voice. And let's be honest. When we walk up these steps every week, most of us have to turn down the volume of all the other stuff in our head. Do we not? We have to turn down the volume. Maybe we rode to church with the music wide open. It's not Christian music. It's some other kind of crazy music. When we get out, we have to turn the volume down just to get focused, listening for God's voice. The psalmist says, be still and know that I'm God. Be sensitive to the leadership of God's Spirit. Be sensitive. Be sensitive. And we can hear Him now if we listen closely. Let me conclude this way. In the years of ministry that God has allowed me to have, 
I've heard many people say, well, or I've talked to people. Well, I, I've been to church. And yeah, it was good. But it's not really my thing, preacher. And, and then I've heard people say, uh, when, when asked, you know, do, do you read the Bible? And they say, oh, oh yeah, I, I, I read the Bible. And yeah, it's a good book and I get some good stuff out of it. But there's some other books that I read that I get some good stuff out of as well. But in all of my years of ministry, all the years, nobody has looked me in the eye and said this to me. Lord, uh, uh, preacher, I've experienced the presence of God. And quite honestly, I don't want it. Nobody has ever said that to me. And the reason is this, church. Because people who experience the real presence of God are changed, are transformed, and they want more and more and more of God. So as I studied this week in, in preparation, it's my prayer that you and I worship the one true God, the living God, in such a way, in such a way, get this, that we experience His revealed presence to us each time we worship together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this message today. Thank you, Lord God, for the challenge that is before my heart and life. And Lord, hopefully before the hearts and lives of each person here today. Lord, I pray that we, when we enter this your sanctuary that we enter humbly Lord God that we would enter in a way that our hearts and minds will be moldable to you that, that, we, that we would be sensitive that we would anticipate that we would, that we would look that we would listen for your still small voice in our lives and God that you would Cause us to see you reveal yourself to us in worship. And Lord, not only reveal yourself to us in worship, but to reveal yourself to us each and every day of our life. Lord, may we be so in tune with you that our lives will be radically different. That others will see a difference in us because... We are in relation with you. Lord, if there be one here today that doesn't know you, I pray that he or she might come to know you today. That they would listen to that still, small voice in their heart right now. We pray in your name. Amen.